Welcome to Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston. Here's where I get to talk to amazing people from all over the world who are making a positive impact and discuss topics in every single area of life. The sky's the limit. Some might be a little controversial, but eh, we don't shy away from them because everyone I speak to is coming from a good space. So it's an opportunity to learn a lot and expand your mind. Today's awesome and inspiring guest is Dan Gallagher. Now, before we go into Dan, because he's going to talk to us all about money, 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 lots of money. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Dan Gallagher is a father of four. Holy moly. Happily married to Laura for the past 30 years. Oh, I want to hear all about that. I love this. He dated eight weeks. I love these stories until a six month engagement. How's that for goals? Yeah, baby. I love that story. I'll have to get more into that. He recently retired from 30 years of financial planning. Boy, could I use them years ago and related services. So his new book, that's how I found them, Skyhorse Publishing, The Secrets of Successful Financial Planning is without bias or client acquisition agenda. Ooh, I love that. Dan's adventure fiction has also fared quite well this year. Dan, thank you so much for being with me. I love this. I'm so excited. So you're going to help me make lots of money when I retire, right? I'll be glad to share some tips, Sandy, and thanks for having me. So let's start from the beginning. First of all, where do you live and are your four kids grown and out and do they live nearby? They're almost out, but we did re-nest one of them, Matthew. So <laughs> I love to re-nest, re-nested. That's cute. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, Kristen runs her own business, a company called uh, Edify in, um, in Oregon, but she, uh, she operates in uh, Europe as well as the United States, uh, assisting companies in onboarding mostly and some other human resource functions. Um, oh. Yeah. And um, so she's, um, I guess she's just a, She's 28. She's 28. Oh. Yeah. And um, Aaron is 26. Uh, okay. Aaron assists businesses through a, a, a government agency, uh, the name of which slips my mind at the moment. Uh, Amera something. Ameri- AmeriCorps. 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 I know AmeriCorps. Yeah. And um, uh, she just finished. Um, she's been doing that for about six months. And she, um, prior to that, uh, had had retired or she'd be had uh, graduated from uh, UNC yeah. Wilmington, uh, oh. a double major in French and international studies. She went over to France for a year or a little more to uh, to teach English to Frenchmen. Uh, discovered Ooh. she didn't care for that. Came back. We renested her for about six months. She found this new job and she loves that. Oh my God, renesting! I love that. Okay, so that's three, right? Where's the fourth? That, well, that's two. The, I, I mentioned Matthew, but Matthew is the uh, was our third child. Matthew is uh, twenty three, yeah. and um, he blows things up for a living. He's he's uh, uh, and he does it both in the uh, Army Reserve, or rather, the um, National Guard here in North Carolina. We're gotcha. in, we're in Charlotte, by the way. Yeah, yeah, big, I love it there. The big Panthers country here, so yeah, uh, I love. Yeah, we'll keep pounding. By the way, anyway, um, Eagles aren't doing so great this year. <laughs> well, that's what they get. Anyway, well, we <laughs> right? We're good. So anyway, um, yeah, Matthew uh, works for a uh, specialty construction company where he uh, he blows some things up 
drills holes in the ground or other oh, structures and then he blows them up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's a combat engineer in the national guard. Um, recently came back from uh, a mission in Moldova training uh, folks over mm-hmm. there uh, in their military. And then um, uh, Joe is a special needs kid and to be uh, not to be too emotional about this, but it sure did take us. Um, we didn't expect How old's Joe? Uh, Joe is eight, almost 18. Gotcha. And so he's finishing up high school on time, uh, he was special needs. He was born three months early uh, with a number of issues. Uh, can't uh, use the left side of his body particularly well, but he does walk okay. Um, yeah. Quite a limp, but and he can't use his left arm. A number of things are, are slow and difficult for him, but again, he's he's uh, keeping up pace with uh, his uh, schoolmates, and um, I think that he's going to start his own business here soon, uh, which would be voiceover. He's got quite a voice, and 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 uh, so do you. Do I? Well, he yeah. he has quite a range. He he could do cartoons and all kinds of things. It's it's amazing, and his school has uh, recently asked him to uh, uh, be an announcer for their baseball team coming up. So. But anyway, so that's the four. And uh, Laura and I did indeed have a rather brief uh, uh, engagement and even time prior to that. Um, what happened there was um, I got stood up for a, a church breakfast at a, at a hotel that was a uh, ritzy hotel that was near our church in Williamsburg, Virginia. And um, I almost didn't go because I was feeling pretty down about that. And uh, uh, who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, you know, but I, I have to say, you know, maybe I was kind of used to being rejected by women oh over the God. years. Yeah, uh, Mister Shot Down kind of guy. But anyway, uh, you got back up there, Dan. You in, got back up. That's that's what they taught me back at military college at Virginia Military Institute. You always get back yeah. up. You always keep that's going. Exactly. Yep, indeed, and it paid off this time because. Um, you know, by, by that time, I guess it was uh, 27 or 28, and um, I had completed an MBA, was working in uh, the financial field, uh, as you noted, um, at that time for um, mm-hmm. MetLife Securities. And um, so I went to this breakfast, and uh, in walks this young lady, my same age, and um, she's with this guy who, frankly, is, you know, kind of a zero. Um, I hate to be elitist or something, but she's got an MBA from um, Laura's got an MBA and just a fascinating person. It turns out from um, uh, Virginia Polytech, and um, I won't hold that against her. I'll, I'll, I'll try Virginia Polytech, but anyway, yeah, that's oh, that's man. the football tribal for Virginia military. And anyway, so um, she and I just hit it off and monopolized the conversation. And this guy was just totally edged out. And I realized, you know. She's fascinating. I don't like the way she's got her hair. I don't care for her dowdy clothing and so on. Uh, but I love this person. What what is with this person? She's fascinating me like nobody else. And so I love your honesty. This is so funny. Yeah, and, and so this guy is sitting there like a bump on a log, unable to really engage in anybody's conversation, let alone our own. And um because you know, he hadn't, frankly, made anything out of himself. I hate to be elitist or anything, but that's the case for this guy. And so um, I just edged him out all the way and then uh, uh, followed that up with, uh, if you will, a marketing campaign to <laughs> to, to uh, date Laura. And uh, that, that did work. He was out of the picture within uh, less than a week. And then, uh, as you, you mentioned, how it proceeded after that. And Laura and I have been buddies and and in love and uh, occasionally arguing <laughs> uh, for 30 years. Yeah. Right. So you don't argue or fight. I always tell my son, my son's, you know, go like, 
you got to fight and argue or you're just play like, you know what I mean? You're not caring, you know, because you, you can't think alike all the time. You just can't. It would be in, bad. Indeed. So, Lauren, I've been married for 30,000 years. I mean, 30 years. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, so, yeah, things things have gone well. We've had a we've had a good life. I have to credit education, focus on the right values. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and in business, uh, focusing on the other person and what they need, uh, before and not thinking of the person as a case, as it were, I was just shocked that everywhere I went, uh, in the financial planning world, uh, they would refer to, you know, uh, a couple or, or a client as a case. Well, I, yeah, I get it. I get it. There's a practical issue there, I suppose, but I, I just kept seeing, uh, so many instances, um, not not all financial planners, but just an awful lot, um, just seeing people as a money potential. And, and I just, yeah. you know, yeah. they're, they're folks who have needs and uh, they their their finances always affect other people and relationships. Yes. Uh, finances are always uh, moral decisions as well. There's always a moral dimension yeah. there. Um, That's true. I mean, how, how are you going to be charitable? Yeah. Um, at least in, in a in a material manner, um, yeah. one can be charitable in all kinds of different ways. But in a material manner, and really help others, if you are not uh, a person who who properly stewards uh, his or her own finances, I mean, those are tools and uh, resources like any other that you ought to take care of and, and operate efficiently. So that's my philosophy yeah. on money and was from the start. And it's helped me over 30 years in this business. Um, and so that's, that's why I gained all those alphabet soup items, certified financial planner and all that stuff yeah, behind my yeah. name. It was to help the clients. Yeah. Well, can, so let's back up. I mean, I love the, the kid thing. I love the wife thing. I just want to know one thing. Yeah. Does she know that's what you thought about it. Like, I'm going after this. This is going to be my marketing plan. And that you were like, yeah, I don't like your hair close. Did you ever tell her those stories? Uh, she gives me quite a nasty look when I say that part. But, yes, she has. Uh, she's heard that a few times. She's even told that a few times. When she tells it's a little different, you know. But- I'm sure. Well, don't we all? All right. So let's start when you were a youngin. Where did you get this interest or why money? Well, how did that fascinate you? to go into that area? Uh, I guess it started with economics. Uh, I was probably one of the fewer, uh, one of the rare personalities who um, did have interest not only in business at the micro level, but how things functioned at the national and even international level. So when I went into college, um, I was interested in a number of things, uh, certainly serving my country. Uh, I ended up in the army, infantry, and some other things. But um, What year was that? Uh, let's see. I went into Virginia Military Institute, signed the papers because um, you are in the military at that point. Um, at least, at least I was, and a lot of my um, classmates, brother rats, were. Um, let's see, nineteen seventy-seven. Okay. And uh, we graduated. Um, most of us graduated on time in nineteen eighty-one. I was a double major in okay. uh, modern languages that focused on German. Um, the CIA recruits there a, a fair oh. a fair amount, and um, and so what I, I, I thought, well, perhaps I'd go there. I never did, but I I I, I really mastered the Bayern uh, accent for German. Of course, now it's very rusty, but um, yeah. uh, at the time, it, it really was about serving, you know, my country. And as as oh. odd as that may sound these days. You know, the, no, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. No, I get it. Well, this is the only nation that ever was founded 
based upon principles like fairness, freedom of of religion, freedom of yeah. of economic pursuit, and and uh, yeah. and all of that. And so, not that other nations have no merit, but America has a very special merit, and it's worth yeah. risking your life over. I think. Yeah, that that's really nice to hear. So, were your parents also involved in the military? I mean, where did you get that bug? Oh, this is an uncomfortable question, actually, but I'm going to tell you oh, the truth. Okay. You don't have to answer. No, I'm sorry. You asked the question, I guess. So, um, My father had been in the Navy in World War okay. II um, okay. and almost got shot down. He was a mechanic, but they made him a tail gunner because they were short on people and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, um, so we always had an appreciation for uh, those sorts of values um, but when we grew up, uh, th- there were seven sons and a daughter. Ooh. I was the last, uh, I observed, last? yeah, I was the last. I was also a yeah. surprise seven years behind my next oldest yeah. brother, but at any rate. Okay. I'm getting the picture. <laughs> so, um, any- anyway, uh, when the Vietnam war came about, um, several of my brothers, um, decided, well, you know, they were going to find one way or another to escape that. And I didn't find that to be very, uh, very honorable. So when I saw that, uh, I, I resolved to do the opposite. And so that's why I went into the infantry, you know, the, the combat oh. arms, um, you know, much more exposed at risk. Now, as it turned out, um, I, I was never active at a time when there was a war. But that's why I went in 1977 to a military college. Yeah. 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 Crazy. So you came from, like, like you said, your dad was in it, though. Like, you know, he was part of the Navy in World War II. And, but more what pushed you is your siblings not wanting to go to the Vietnam War. Yeah, that's true, actually. It's, um, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't yeah. see them as cowards or what have you, but. No, the no, fact- it's a different mindset. Believe me, I have friends on both sides. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah, it was just different. So I got that strong, you know, as far as, you know, you want to, you know, here you are. You love your country and you feel really strongly about, you know, fighting for it. But the economic thing, did your parents have any, like, were they good with money or was that just you? <laughs> they didn't have any money. <laughs> yeah. I was the first one in my family to go to college. Yeah, but you know how people don't have money, but they can take $5, you know, and stretch it. Were they like that? It you know what I mean? Definitely or- were. You know, and my mom would do uh, things on the side, like teach uh, people to sew and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was, it was tight until eventually it wasn't, you know, and, and these yeah. qualities enabled my father to get promoted and, and so on. Um, so uh, we, we ultimately moved from Rhode Island to when I was seven uh, to okay. Northern Virginia, uh, the Washington oh, DC area. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. There's a show on, I forget the name. I think it's like the kids are all right. I like to watch comedies, Dan, right before I go to bed. Cause it relaxes oh, yeah. me. But, but this comedy is just new and I forget what era it's sent in, but probably back then. And there's eight kids and it's, that's, what's cracking me up about this. Now they're all boys, their entire lineup <laughs> of boys. You should watch. It's called the, they're, they're all right. The kids are all right, but it's all about 
how they can still enjoy one another, but they scrape. And I mean, the way they did things to get by to feed eight kids is crazy, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and of course, and I just want to know, were you, were you all beating on each other? I was just about to say, to a lot of times, yeah. you know, family with a lot of boys, you know, they will do that and end up uh, sometimes with some serious injuries and not show up at work. And then the parents are mad because they're not contributing, as my my uh, brothers had to, uh, to the family budget yeah. at the time. So, Yeah. Well, what about eating? Were you all fighting for the food? No, I think we had enough food at all points. Uh when when I was when we were in Rhode Island and I was uh, seven and younger, um, we were starting to advance economically. We had uh, two years before that, I guess, when I was five, we had moved out of what you'd probably call a ghetto um, yeah. that existed then. Um, and um, uh, so, so I don't remember a lot about that. Um, yeah, but I do remember some of it, and I do remember, you know, my parents working very, very hard. My dad worked two jobs for much of his, uh, that time anyway, yeah. until he got promoted. And, and, uh, when he got promoted, he, he handled some logistics issues and parts issues yeah. for a particular Navy aircraft that, uh, in, in, in the, the Pentagon, um, where we would sell these aircraft. Uh, but the Navy had to control a number of, uh, issues surrounding that, including resupply and, and, and parts. So, this is crazy. I mean, I want, I want, I got to talk about money, but I lo- I would love to hear about your family more because it's it's fascinating because I only had a brother, so it's a whole different you know scenario. Not that we came from money, but I just I just want to talk to you more about what it was like being the youngest of eight kids. But that's going to have to be another podcast because okay. I'm very fascinated with that. But now I get that you're fascinated with economics, but. How did you get from there to, you know, doing such great things? Like, are you in school and then what, you know? Well, you know, growing up as I did, um, and, and we were a church-going family, um, my my focus was was always on the bigger issues. And one of the bigger issues in the world is, you know, social justice and uh, how to – um, how to get ahead and, and what have you and, yeah. and what your responsibilities are uh, once you're able to do that. Uh, and so efficiency in finances is something that, that at least in a formal sense, I began to work with as an extra duty in the Army. Uh, so they picked me to help soldiers with their budgeting and with their taxes and what have you while I was a platoon leader. Really? Yeah. And Cool. Yeah, I, I enjoyed doing that. And I, and I realized, you know, I guess it comes from being in a big family that if you can have an impact on individuals and on their families, it feels good. But mostly it's because of the result that you produce when you do that. And so when, when I got out, I went to uh, and went reserve. I went to an MBA program at, at uh, William and Mary. It's now called the Mason School. Um, not at that time. And um, yeah. And, and I was an executive recruiter there, but uh, working my way through grad school. But um, at the end of that, there was a recruiter from MetLife and MetLife Securities, and that's how I went over to that. Um, that did well for me. I was able to buy a house and and uh, that sort of thing, and uh, ultimately uh, get married and raise a family and what have you. And as I did that, I, I really got a charge out of helping other people get ahead. Uh, but it wasn't just about the materialism. You know, here and there, I would yeah. drop a hint, you know, if if I felt I had to anyway, uh, I wouldn't be overt or 
you know, a problem to people. But, you know, we have responsibilities when when yeah. we have resources, um, not necessarily to the government, but to our fellow human being. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so I love yeah. doing that and, and, and dropping those hints from time to time. Uh, last December, uh, that was the end of that. And I, I, I uh, terminated licensure and retired partly so that this book uh, would have credibility. Um, yeah. This was my fourth book, and um, I, I wanted, you know, to make this sort of a second career. So I thought a little bit about me, you know, and trying to, to start the career that, that I had long thought about writing. But um, uh, I wanted to write something that really would be genuinely helpful to people and show even some secrets. That's why the title is yeah. The Secrets of Successful Financial yeah. Planning. Actual secrets that are intentionally kept from the public, at least for a time, by institutions and even from regulators. Yeah, yeah. it really happened. Yeah, I believe you. I believe it, you. I um there is a book, it's not not like this, but it's called, you know, Wild Money. And it's trying to get people just that forget planning, but just to even be honest about their money. You know what I mean? Think about their money. And so it has like it's a thing that has drawings in it so that you can actually like draw what your relationship is with money. And what I found out is a lot of people don't know how to do with money. So they just turn a blind eye to it. They don't look at, I don't know if you, I'm sure you encountered this. Like they don't look at their account. They don't look at this. They don't because they're embarrassed by it or, you know, they, they feel bad that they're not making more. I mean, do you, did you get a lot of clients like that? Well, absolutely. And also at the other end of the spectrum, I think the more educated somebody becomes, let's say a, a civil engineer or what have you, um, even a CPA, um, yeah. uh, one of whom was a client of mine. Um, but what, what can happen is the ego kicks in. And if you've done well in your career, especially if it's technical in some way, you make an assumption yeah. that you can handle all this yourself. And why, why do you yes. need anybody else? Absolutely. You know? You're right. Like, who's going to tell me it's my money? I know what I'm doing. Well, the yeah. reality is that they may be actually partially correct in the sense that they may be able to attain 80, maybe even 90% of the efficiencies that they need to, to have an, if you will, optimal financial plan or course or strategy. Uh, but that other 10% or 20% can be worth tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of real value or income or what have you, if they were to attain from a real expert, um, those, those extra efficiencies. So my book, uh, yeah. helps people if they really, really want to helps them do it themselves. But oh, here and there okay. throughout the book, I really say, look, you know, Here's what you need to consider and do and calculate, what have you, to get this right. But in, in this situation or that, but um, what what you really need is a professional. And here are here are ways to, to to find the right professional, ask the right questions, and so on. So that's the other purpose of the book to help people ask the right questions, to get the right team or planner to assist them. Um, yeah, yeah, and not to assume, for example, that an estate planner may be the best. Um, financial planner and vice versa and so on. Yeah. Uh, big question, because I always ask people before I do my podcast um, that what questions do you want me to ask to dance? So right now is the appropriate time for the first one. Does it matter where you are, like how much money you're making? Because when people think of planners, they think, oh, I'm making tons of money. So is this book going to be valuable to somebody starting out who's making, you know, 30, 40 or $50,000 a year or. 
Yeah, I, I, I get it. Here's, here's what I did when I first conceived of this book. Um, I looked at other financial planning books and I noticed two things, actually three things. But the first two things that I noticed were that uh, the estate planning chapters were skimpy. And yeah. I can tell you why uh, in a moment. Uh, and the other thing I noticed okay. is that the budget planning or cash management, if you will, uh, to use the industry yeah. term, uh, chapters were very skimpy. And why would that be? Okay. Here, here are the reasons, really. The cash, yeah, well, the wow. cash management chapters uh, are skimpy relative to, say, retirement planning chapters and so on, or, or accumulation planning chapters, which would be investment strategy. Um, they're skimpy because uh, most of these books are designed to gain clients for the planner. Um, and so... They do focus on those who don't have a budget issue. If they were inefficient in their budget, it's not that big a deal. They're really after those that they'd like to impress that, hey, I wrote a book and I can help you with your investments or your insurances or both or whatever. So that's the reason why most of these are very skimpy on the cash management chapter. Mine is just as long as the others and has some insights and even some online resources at my website that people can get free um, that help even in terms of emergencies. What if you're, what if you're facing bankruptcy? Uh, what are, yeah, yeah, what are yeah. all these different programs concerning that? Uh, and, and how are you going to buy efficiently? Um, and all the way up to those who really do have, um, you know, a, a, who truly are uh, very well to do. So it helps the entire spectrum of people uh, from those who are relatively new savers or even in financial trouble um, all the way up to those who are not just facing retirement, but in mid-retirement. The estate planning uh, chapter uh, is fuller than others because when you are licensed and especially when you are a member um, a licensee, for example, of a certified financial planner organization, so on. Um, when when you're you're actually controlled and regulated by those private organizations, as well as the regulatory businesses or um, regulatory organizations, okay. and so when you so much as appear to be giving legal advice, you can get in hot water. So this is one of the reasons that I I terminated. One of the two reasons that I terminated uh, my licensure when I retired last December, uh, because I'm immune to that. And so I, I do give, uh, wow, yeah, gotcha, I do address gotcha. issues that, that are left out uh, for fear by professionals and, uh, and, and, and some things that would really border or go into that gray area of advice. But yet people need this. And that's why. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're saying. So, okay, again, the buzzword, estate planning. Does that mean you have to have a certain amount of money? Because when people hear estate, they're like, I don't live in a $500,000 home with land. I mean, talk about what it means, estate. Well, I, I even talk about, um, let's say, long-term care and how it differs for the rich versus the poor and how those are who are in between can navigate yeah. these issues uh, between managing money well and not being insurance poor, but obtaining the right kind of insurance. For example, a little bit yeah. of advice. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it's it's less expensive. You take a slightly bigger risk in terms of you know what if what if husband and wife both end up in a long term care facility or whatever, but. If you get a policy that has a pool of money or resources, insurance for um, 
for long-term care, that is to say nursing home or in-home yeah. nursing care, yep, yep. then um, if you get that pool, it's shared by the two. And so if one, um, let's, let's, the odds are that, that you're not going to have both in a long-term care facility. It can yes, happen, correct. but the odds are against it. And so yeah, yeah, uh, if you have that, that pool of insurance slash your own resources within that policy, then that policy is way cheaper than buying two individual policies that will cover this stuff mm-hmm. completely, you say. And, and then how do you deal with it when uh, maybe both do get uh, in, a, in a long-term care situation? The answer is to have a better cash reserve, better managed cash reserve. A cash reserve can be thought of, at least if you're going to manage it well, um, there's, there's three segments of a cash reserve. The short term where you have, you yeah. know, typical needs uh, from a month to month basis. Uh, the middle term where you could have unexpected things that are of themselves unexpected, auto maintenance, uh, maybe out of work for uh, a few months and your disability policy doesn't cover that for the first three months or whatever. And, and then, so that's the middle term and it uses different kinds of investments than the first. And then the third gotcha. is much more long-term. You're looking out perhaps 10 years. Gotcha. These are events that may never occur, but you should guard against them. And in the long run, it's going to be cheaper than insuring against these issues, such as getting, um, uh, I don't know, sued and you're, uh, as, a, as an attorney or a doctor, what have you, and your, your errors and omissions insurance yeah. will not cover it or it has a high deductible. Um, so, gotcha. in fact, cash management. If done wisely, and it's, it's laid out in the book, if done wisely, uh, you can cover some of these other things, such as needing to handle long-term care, but you've got to plan early if you can for that, because it takes a lot of money. Yeah. So, um, so you insure partially, and then you accumulate partially. And through that, you can cover all kinds of things that, um, that may hit you and be catastrophic for an individual. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is like, you're right. These are things that I don't, I mean, unless this is what you do for a living and you constantly investigate these small little tricks, like you're saying, a lot of people don't know. I know they don't. Yeah, know. It's possible you that the I mean? old term insurance poor is usually used to object to buying some insurance. But the reality yeah. is you can be insurance poor. It is a danger. And you, you need to do some, some, some calculating and some rational thoughts some subjective thinking and planning. Yeah to um, buy the right kinds of insurance and the right amounts so that you don't become insurance poor, but you also don't get hit by these catastrophes. Right, right. So there are, like what you're saying is, because I know a lot of my friends are like, no, no, no insurance, but that's not true. It's just, you know, be you got to be very, very diligent and make sure you're picking the right one for you because it can be very beneficial. Yeah. I got it. Um, so, Let's go back a little bit because I'm reading all about your book and they definitely should get, by the way, I got it on the PDF, but I'm going to buy it because I need to have a book in my hand. Yeah, me That's too. just me. I like to scribble. Like I have a million books. I, I mean, I know you can get them online, but I like to hold it and see it and feel it. I mean, I, and plus I make notes. So I'm definitely going to go to it because I definitely need this for sure. But I would love it. Is there any, I know you have, like you said, 30 dramatic stories of clients, triumphs, and tragedies. Like, is there anyone that you could talk about, about how you found them and then what happened to turn it around? Is there anyone you can think of? Sure. I put little bookmarks here in the book at 
I don't know, four or five places where I've written these, these stories uh, changed only enough to disguise who the client was. And good. So, That's very good. <laughs> see, I can flip through a few and, and maybe read you one. Some of these are pretty dramatic um, stories here. It's, a, I guess it's about a fifth, almost a fifth of the book is comprised of this. Which is great because I love that you did it, by the way. First of all, I've never seen that in any of the financial books. Yeah, it books. never occurred before. And kudos to you. Yeah, kudos to you for doing it because it. you go, I can relate to that one. I can relate yeah. to that one. And you feel like you're not alone and that there's hope. So that's my favorite part. So let's like – Let's one. see here. Got some investment ones, some insurance ones, some estate planning ones, some, and a budget one that – Related to a marriage, that budget might be one. good. Let's do a budget yeah, one. yeah right, let's do I got that. that one right here. Open the book here. College administrator Molly brought home over two thousand dollars in monthly pay after maximum qualified and Roth IRA savings deductions. Husband Cedric, a medical architect, had an extraordinary Ooh. month monthly take home income of roughly fifteen thousand dollars. That's per month. Um, this couple lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, by the way. So this, these were all real, co- gotcha. real clients. I don't have yeah. clients anymore. So hers is two and this is 15. Yeah. yeah. But they're disguised. You wouldn't be able to tell who these people were. Um, all right, so good. reading on. Their two children attended the finest private school in Charlotte, North Carolina. The family traveled extensively. No expense was spared for education, entertainment, home improvements, etc. And my financial plan called for significant non-qualified uh, meaning not before tax savings, because yeah. they wanted to start or buy their own business one day, meaning they'd have to take it out and they didn't want any tax penalties. Um, all expenses came from Cedric's pay, as did their enhanced savings program. Molly was in charge of the finances. Their joint non-qualified investing and all of her take-home pay was for her personal use, Cedric's pay flowed into their joint account and then to be distributed for the buildup of their cash reserves, their business fund, a three and three other joint investments. Molly handled all of, handled all of these. I had tried unsuccessfully to interest them in jointly creating a budget, monitoring it, and making joint decisions between them. Uh, regarding the investments. But Cedric had no interest, and Molly was enthusiastic, promising to allow me to help with that budget, but never acting on that. Molly would not allow me to help monitor the budget or obtain copies. I was, I was unsure whether she actually devised one. After a couple of years, four reviews of the progress of their financial plan always gained me referrals and praise, but Cedric was never present for these. One day, I used a process called back testing to estimate how much money went into these investments compared to their take-home pay. I, de- I deducted, so it's a, it's a reverse budget analysis. I, I deducted yeah. for all expenses they reported, but never updated after the initial data gathering. Back testing revealed that some fifty to sixty thousand dollars had been added to the investment accounts from disposable income, yet was not there. I asked Molly again for a budget, 
and told her about the potential to reach their goals early if this excess could be added to the investment accounts. But that... But that I needed to model this so that they would see more clearly how much of this excess could be devoted to accelerating their goals. You've done a fine job, Dan, Molly said, studying my face and closing (laughs) my laptop for me. Yeah. Yeah, it really happened. But are you inferring that I can't do this on my own? Cedric Cedric would not appreciate that implication, and I'm not sure we can continue as clients if you think that I can't. I know you can, Molly, but your asset management wrap fee covers this work. You might as well have me do this so you can see precisely what the potential is and just how soon you could be confident of running your own business. Wouldn't that be useful? The discussion is closed, she said, and if you want to keep earning that wrap fee, you'll drop it. Almost a year later, I received a call from Cedric. Can you come over to my office for a couple of hours, Dan, now? Well, I can after three, sure. My main resources for reviews and so on are all at my office, though. Can we meet at mine? No, you don't have all the resources. Not what I'm looking at. 3.30? When I arrived at Cedric's office, he instructed me, he instructed his secretary to hold all calls, and he closed the door behind me. Roll that chair over here, he instructed, pointing pointing to his side of his desk. He turned his laptop toward me and cleared his throat awkwardly. A private investigator I retained got me into this. You are not to discuss this with Molly. Agreed? The screen showed a mutual fund portfolio valued around $107,000 and Molly's name as owner, along with a P.O. box as an address. I hesitated in answering Cedric as I thought back to my conversation with Molly. They were both my clients. Wow, yeah. Cedric, I suspected this could happen at, a second to, at the second to last it, uh, review with Molly. I found that you, too, could be saving more and go into business sooner. But to measure that and project when, I needed her to come up with that budget I've been pushing for since we met. It's not your fault. She fooled us both. Looks like she's moving money from our joint account to her own checking. And I guess she lets a large balance build up there before moving the money to this secret one, just in case I detect her skimming the joint account and demand back whatever recent diversions I might find. I suppose she then moves money from her checking into this secret account. The cash deposits into this account don't match transfers to her checking from our joint account. Why is she siphoning off money that ends up In another account in her own name, I asked. Have you two been having problems? My only guess, he said, is that she suspects I cheated on her. I'm away so much, but I never did. And there's never been anything that would give her that impression. Just the frequent travel. She's shown up at my hotel. This is like a mystery story, Dan. It's like a mystery story. I'm on the edge of my Go ahead. She's shown up at my hotel randomly sometimes. Nothing to see here, citizens. Other than that behavior, 
We didn't even argue because I understand how difficult my travel has been on her. She hasn't even accused me of anything. Well, Cedric, why are you going? What are you going to do? Does she know you know about this? She doesn't know. Can I trust you to keep? Well, of course. The CFP ethics or code of ethics, remember? I can't contribute to so much as an argument between the two of you. And I have to keep confidential whatever either of you restricts me from relating to the other. Did she restrict anything? No, not exactly. It's just that she clobbers me if I ask for a budget or even data to do one for you. He stared he, he stared to shake slightly or st- he stared and started to shake slightly and turn red. She might even be the one having the affair. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's him yeah. talking. Um, yeah. What did your PI found or find? I asked. Nothing. Just that she cries to her friends at restaurants. She intercepts a lot, uh, intercepted lots of of, me- of my messages. She's cheating. He hasn't found it yet. I doubt she's cheating, Cedric. You listen to me. Listen to your PI. I'm going to confront her. Cedric, be careful how you do that. You you could damage yeah. an otherwise great relationship. And think of the kids. What would you do? He asked. Well, if Laura has a nickel and I have a nickel, we have a dime. Remember, I hinted that all accounts should be joint as and you both should be involved in reviews. Trust but verify if you must. This is what I verified, he shouted. You shouldn't keep monitoring this, Cedric. She might even change the password or move the account. What you need to monitor is your cash management account and how she moved the money into this. But a confrontation or her discovery of monitoring would escalate things. Take her away for a week. See how she reacts to your telling her that you finally got into your cash flow and started a budget that you want her to finish with you. Then see how she reacts. She'll have to confess. But even if she doesn't, still be gentle and understanding about what drove you to spy. Especially, make her understand why you took off for a second honeymoon to save your your relationship rather than argue. What if she just leaves, he quavered. Cedric, she loves you. You love her. You just need to quell her fears. And when you two get back, you need to be part of the reviews and budgeting and budget setting. No more putting that off. Let me watch the flows in and out and make this fund joint. Both of you should authorize me to share all details and instructions. One of you gives. If she balks, you have a bigger problem than money or her distrust of you. But if she asks forgiveness and will do this, you'll have your wife back, and she'll know she has you. How do we keep this on course without mistrust if your approach works at first? Take her on as many trips as your schedules permit. <clears throat> schedules permit. Give each other access to phone accounts. After a good budget examination, capture all of this diverted money, maybe more if we can identify frivolous spending. Then work your dream together by saving better together. 
you'll get into your dream business together as soon as my calculations show you, you can do that confidently. Your dream revives, and this is key, Cedric. It becomes exciting and real because it's shared, and you can see how to reach it. It's sooner than you used to think. My ballpark modeling shows it would likely be just another 7 to 10 years, but we have to put uh, this to accurate numbers. His face told me I had not convinced him. His face... His face sank again, and a tear hit his blotter. Numbers. Am I just a cash machine to her anymore? Do Do this gently, Cedric, and you'll find out. After following this advice for some weeks, these two blossomed. I expected tears in my office for their appointment a month later, but they looked at 50-something like young newlyweds. It was I who had the lump in my throat. And that's the story. So they, they worked it out. And what was she doing she with the money? She was skimming like, and he why? learned of it. But, you know, to present to somebody in a shocking manner that you learned of that sort of behavior um, can put somebody back on yeah. their heels, uh, make them feel on the defensive and so on. And that's not the psychology that you need with yeah. this no, you're smart, but I can understand why he wanted it. And thank God you were there. But why? What was she doing? Oh, yeah, with she was just building up a, a, a reserve fund that she felt she needed in order to one day leave him because of a of an imagined affair. Oh my goodness! Thank God you got in there and prevented him from going in yeah. all Harry Carey. Yeah, you know. Well, think of the kids. So, oh my God! So there's. Yeah, yeah, I know. But still in all reality, like you're sitting like when you see that somebody's skimming, you can understand why you jump to the conclusions. And thank God he was there with you because most people would jump to the same conclusions, Dan. That's well, rare. And I commend you for not well, you know, most talking financial planners, that not, not that I'm somebody spe- or was somebody special, but most financial planners – are very loath to get involved in these personal issues. They're, they're much more after the fact. Um, so what yeah. they'll do is they'll focus on the financial impact of an impending divorce or one that already happened rather than um, different ways to head it off or to, to get things right in the first place between the people. And this can happen. There's another story, father to son, uh, involving a real estate investment trust yeah. where the father thought the son – uh, had deceived him just to make a large sale. The son worked for a real estate investment trust. And, um, uh, yeah. you know, so there's another story that's along the same lines, but, you know, the father felt betrayed. This was a, you know, close to a third of the father's investments went into this real estate investment tr- yeah. trust. And, 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 and then yeah. he couldn't get his money out. And, and then he discovered it had gone next to bust back in 2008. Yeah. So, you know, what happens with money is if you don't do it right, there's obviously a human potential there to mess things up as you go along. But if you don't do financial planning right, you make bad financial moves. But there's also the need to have a financial planner, an estate planner, an insurance person, so on, who uh, you put on your team 
in, and, and you, you interview them and you know them well and you trust them. You've got to have a trusting relationship with somebody. This business of having, you know, online electronic financial planners, which is all the rage these days. Yeah, you're just going to yeah, lack that, yeah, that human aspect there. And there are also some mathematical things that they miss. For example, yeah. there, there's something called uh, pension yeah. maximization. There's a minority, but an important minority of people who have pensions who ought to replace some, um, not necessarily all, but some of the survivorship on their pension using life insurance. Um, not everybody should do this, but it's a very complex calculation. And it also is even made even more complex by rules that the pension plan can have that um, tie participation or at least some participation in the pension plan's survivorship to a potential widow, to the, to the pensioner, um, ties that to uh, his or her ability to, to continue to use or have access to medical insurance or any medical insurance-related help during retirement as a widow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know even like um, I, I have a great relationship with my business partner, but we've been together for so many years and there's lots of times where you, even as like, if you're invested with someone, you could jump to conclusions, you know, cause it's money, you know, how you're spending the money, how you're doing the money. And I, it's like, we're, we've been together since, I don't know, 21 years and we have such trust in one another. And I know that's rare yeah. as far as business. Well, that's wonderful go, that, you know? that that sort of relationship exists. Um, so money doesn't necessarily always have to go kaflui and go wrong and cause bad things when um, there's distrust involved or, you know, somebody trying to, to pull the wool over somebody else's eyes. Oftentimes, it's just an inefficiency that somebody didn't know how to cure long before and it just grows and grows and grows and it's, it puts a drag on, yeah. uh, you know, your finances such that you end up retiring late uh, or you could retire early but you missed the opportunity and never knew it because you didn't bother to get these kinds of calculations done and then rechecked at least on an annual basis or you use the wrong yeah. method of, of yeah. projecting. Yeah. I did. This is, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on, but I, 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 I think that number one, everyone should get your book because everyone <laughs> wants to know what to do with their money and how like just to make smart decisions. And I think no matter where you are in your life, you're going to get something out of it. And in addition, I love that there's, I don't want you to tell us the other one, the full 29 other stories. Cause I think that will be fascinating. Oh, I felt like it was like a mystery. And then, you know, there, the areas that you cover, like there's going to be something. And what I'm going to suggest to people is no matter how much you think you know about money or who is your financial advisor, you can always learn more, Dan, right? You can always learn something new. Even to me, if I get one new thing that I didn't think about out of the book, it's, yeah, it's, very it's true. worth it. It's very so, true. In fact, I uh, you, there are things yeah, that even if you've got a very good and competent financial planner, just owning this gives you at least the opportunity to find something that maybe that person missed or needs to look at it a different way. And for the sake of, what is it, $20 cover, yeah. and lots of folks have it on, like Amazon has it on $6 discount and whatever. Um, so yeah. if you if you at least get one takeaway from that, those takeaways can be very, very valuable, and some of them compound through the years. Yep. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. Even one takeaway. And plus, the stories are going to be fascinating. So before we wrap up, Dan, uh, just so you know, everyone out there listening, if you have any questions after this, you can send them our way. You can send them to Dan. We'll have all Dan's information there, and you know how to get his book. But is there anything else that we didn't get well, in that you would like uh, to get Only in? the fact that anything I, I – you might think that I love to write you know, financial uh, pieces. And I have over the years written quite a few, but um, I, I love to write fiction. And uh, at my website, uh, which is authordan.com, um, you know, one could go and then there are three okay. kinds of writing that I have available in addition to excerpts from this book um, and, and reviews as well. But um, those include humor pieces, so longer than a joke, shorter than the average short story. Uh, there are adventure fiction pieces, uh, average short story length, typically, um, that um, yeah. you know, pretty strong, you know, Indiana Jones kind of stuff. A lot of people like that. And um, and then, of course, there there's some yeah. nonfiction there, various sorts that can be entertaining or thought provoking. So and yeah. all of that stuff is free. Obviously, the book's not free, and and a couple of the of the uh, fiction books are not free. But yeah. um, you know, one can decide whether to get those or not. But at least you can get yeah. some freebies there, and it might be useful. Yeah, Dan. This is fascinating. I never, I mean, I saw that you wrote books, but I think it's so cool because I, I can't, I've talked to different financial people, but normally they don't have this whole other writing side to them. So that's pretty cool. I love that. And it's not like financial books. Yeah. There's lots of stuff. So that's really good. Well, Dan, wow. it's been a pleasure having you on. I'm very excited for everybody to hear all your little tips and your stories. And we're going to have to have you back on again because I have lots more to talk about. All right. Well, have a good week and we'll chat soon. Thanks for listening. Remember, keep highlighting the positive and let's keep it real.